You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Golik and Smitty. I'm Mike Golik. I'm Jessica Smetana. Welcome to another edition of Golik and Smitty. Mike Golik Sr. here along with Jess Smetana. And Jess, we have made it through another holiday. And you, I believe, added travel to your holiday in the most traveled holiday I believe there is. I think there was some kind of record sent for travel over the Thanksgiving weekend. So before we even get to the food, let's start with that. Where did you in fact travel to and was it awful? Actually, it was not because I was able to drive this year. Oh, um, Well, Lee was able to drive my boyfriend. I, I drove like two of the maybe 14 to 16 hours of the road trip. Um, that includes stops. So we weren't driving the entire time, but we, we drove up to South Carolina for Thanksgiving. And, uh, as I, I have to say, I, I do not like driving, but not dealing with the airports over the Thanksgiving holidays is amazing. Um, and in addition to, you know, adding some, putting some travel under my belt, Mike, I'm adding another trophy to my trophy collection next to my Golic Family Foundation closest to the pin trophy um, because I won the neighborhood turkey trot last week on Thanksgiving. Wait, you did? Okay, explain. I, uh, how far was um, it? What did you have to do? Yeah, it was a 5K, so 3.1 miles. Um, I've never done a turkey trot. We're not, we're not a turkey trot family. My family does no physical activities together. Like a lot of people, you know, they play like flag football. Yeah, yeah, and- yeah. No, my family doesn't do turkey trots. We don't, but I forced Lee, my boyfriend, to do it with me because I was like, this is going to be fun. We're going to, we're going to run three miles and bring our dogs. It'll be fun. We ended up leaving the dogs at home. So we were just actually running this thing. Um, And I probably ran three, nine plus minute miles. And somehow when they were announcing the winners, it was by age group and by sex. I ended up winning it, Mike. So I got a trophy. So so let me ask you this. There's a couple of questions here. Were you the only person in your category? No, I was not. And in fact, I will say to my credit, because I'm not a fast runner at all. Um, the last mile of the turkey trot, I was like, all right, I'm going to like, I'm going to try to win this thing. And I passed like maybe four people that would have beaten me that were in my age group. So I, I think I won it on the last lap, but well- I'm still proud of myself. So what you did is you took a fun event and you turned it into your own serious competition. Not, I mean, yes, but not, not really. It was, it was still, I'm still shocked that I won anything because I'm not a, I'm not a competitive athlete, except for a pickleball, obviously, but I always get my in that. So uh, it was a pleasant surprise. And Lee ran probably, he probably finished 10 minutes before me, but he didn't win because the people that won in his age group were running like six minute miles. Oh God. So many, I, I came home with the trophy. Wait, how many people were running this? Like a hundred. Really? Yeah. It was, and it was the person who won the entire thing was put, pushing a stroller with two kids in it. Come on. She, she probably ran, I kid you not, like a three, seven minute miles pushing a stroller with two kids. Like, wow. like not even babies like these are heavy seven-year-old children mike it was bananas so i think the fact i've run a couple of those um five k's i think the fastest i ever ran one was like in 26 minutes or something like that right in that area um that's fast i think it's too fast for me yeah no more of that i got a new knee coming in february so those those (laughs) 
<laughs> those days are over. So uh, were there people of my age group there, 60 yes. and up? Yes. And the person who won in your age group actually ran slower than me. Really? So I would have won if I were a 60 year old man as well. Well, you got that going for you, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Nailed All right. It. So I'm uh, glad to hear you were a winner. I, I always thought you were a winner, but it's always nice to have the hardware. What kind of hardware did you get? It's like a little turkey. I would get it, but it's in the other room. It's just like a little turkey. But you have it and Lee doesn't. So, I mean, Correct. right there. Yeah. That is bragging rights oh, for sure. That is awesome. Especially for a long car ride. You just you should just put that right up on the dashboard. <laughs> right? Yes. I, yeah, we have discussed it. I mean, I, I'm i going to put it next to my Golic Family Foundation hardware. Go. And I'm going to start my own little, uh, you know, fun run charity event trophy cabinet, I think. You, I was going to say, you now have two trophies. You could start a trophy case. And that's more trophies than I ever got when I actually played competitive sports. So you know I'll what? take it. Jess, you're a late bloomer, right? Thank you. You're yeah. Maybe bloomer. you're right. Yeah. Maybe. There you go. All right. Let's get to the, the important part of it. We got, we got college football to get to pro football to get to and Christmas season to get to as well. But there's always the talk of, of how was the food was, was Turkey the main attraction? It was, but I was shocked when I showed up at Thanksgiving. There was also ham. And had we not talked last week about your family always doing ham, I would have been like, why is there ham? But now I realize ham on Thanksgiving more popular than I thought. Oh yeah, we didn't even have turkey this year. We just had ham. And then our side dish, because I want to know your side dishes. Our side dishes were mashed potatoes, sweet potato casserole, a green bean casserole, a seven layer salad, and then a bi uh, warm biscuits. And then of course, pumpkin pie at the end and stuffing had, had to have stuffing. So, I mean, the stuffing I think is, is a no brainer. You're only going to eat it on Thanksgiving. And if it's made really well, like I, there, sometimes people have like dry stuffing and like that ruins stuffing, but no, like a really well-made stuffing is the star, I think. Plus, if your family does mac and cheese, I love mac and cheese on Thanksgiving. I usually make a big thing of mac and cheese, um, but I didn't this year. I, I I can leave the sweet potatoes. I don't need sweet I potatoes. Don't I don't need green beans. People, I think, like the green beans because they're like, oh, look, it's a it's green and it's, it's on my plate. It's a vegetable, yeah, with creamy it sauce it. in it, but it's green. Yeah, That's like eating right. broccoli with melted cheese on it. Exactly, which is delicious, by the way. Yes, it is. Um, but no, I mean, really, it's the stuffing. Just give me all the carbs. Leave. The, I don't need the turkey. Yeah. Take the turkey. Take the ham. Take the meat. I don't care. Just give me all of the carb side dishes, including the mashed potatoes. I love the regular mashed potatoes. So your expertise is more not in cooking meals, but in baking desserts and pastries. Did you make anything for this? I did not this year because uh, the place where we were eating, they were like, we have too much food, don't bring anything. Okay. But I did make cornbread for like myself on Saturday and it was great. And I made like a pumpkin coffee cake thing. Oh, also come delicious. on. So on my show with Mike Gojo and Gola, uh, Jesse Cofield is, is on the show with us as well. She does it from the studios in Boston. Their dinner just, just had stone crabs and caviar i saw the caviar yes. thing on twitter last week and my jaw hit the floor yeah. so do they put the caviar like on the turkey or I, is this like an appetizer I, I think it's an appetizer i think they're like an apps at two or three and then a dinner at four or five which but and, and everybody do what you do i mean I, i'm not here to criticize anybody 
but I need I need the first dinner to be at noon or one, and yes. then leftovers at four or five, and then right before you go to bed, just completely destroy yourself with right. maybe another sandwich or something. Three pieces of pie. Yeah, but they yeah. have like the apps and the caviar is with the apps, and I think they had pork shoulder. They did not have turkey or ham. They had pork shoulder. They had caviar and they had stone crabs. All of which, well, save for the caviar. I've never had caviar in my life. I don't know if you have. I think I've had it like once or twice. It's very tasty, but you only have like a tiny, tiny bit because it's just like so salty. Yeah, yeah. I, I have never had it. I don't see myself having it. I, I see myself, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. I, 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 I hesitate ever bringing up movies. Did you see the movie Big with Tom Hanks? No. All right, never mind. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I just, just, just uh, more like old. Yeah, pork shoulder, stone crabs, and caviar was her meal. I thought good for her, man. How about wow. it? Do do you if that right? were my Thanksgiving dinner? I would. That would be my most looked forward to holiday for sure. Oh. We just do the boring Thanksgiving, and honestly, I don't really anticipate it that much. But maybe if my family did pork shoulder instead, I'd be more into it. Was your place now? We we were at our house here. It was me and Chris. Mike flew in for the day, and then Sydney and Ben and the new baby uh, Alex, mm -hmm. who was just like ten days old. So it was very low key, you know. Eat and watch games, and you know, unbuckle your pants if you have a button, or just wear stretchy pants and make it easy. Were you in a relaxed atmosphere where you could relax like that? And was football always on constantly throughout? Yes. I mean, the football is a non-negotiable. Um, we were able to, so I wore stretchy pants with a button, which is, which is a, a game changer because no one can tell. Right. I feel like it's a COVID invention because everyone stopped wearing hard pants during COVID. <laughs> now all of the jeans I own stretch like several inches, there you but go. I was in sweatpants underneath a blanket by probably 6 PM Eastern. So my day was over. I mean, I watched I watched the Egg Bowl and I watched the the late NFL game kind of in and out of consciousness on the couch. So it was it was well done, I think, Good. by by our family this year. Okay, so we both had successful uh, Thanksgivings. I hope everybody did as well because my God, football Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday it was a just it was a veritable feast of college and pro football as well. But Jess, let's start with the college side of this. We'll get to the the coaches because the deal, the interesting deal that Mike Elko got in Texas A and M with the incentives is absolutely amazing. Yeah. There are four basically undefeated teams left up at the top, right? And, and at the taping of this, it's before the penultimate college football rankings. And I'm, I'm sure it will be the undefeated teams, whether you want Georgia first, Michigan second, or Michigan first, Georgia second. Then I think it'll be Washington and then Florida State. And then I think it'll be Oregon right on the outside and then probably Texas as well. To me, it's as simple as all four of those teams win, the four undefeateds win in their respective conference championships. And that's it. I mean, yeah. to me, there's no turmoil. But there are those that are trying to say, and I wonder if you agree or where you are on this, if Florida State, who lost Jordan Travis, their quarterback, and has Tate Rodemaker in there now as the backup, mm -hmm. and they won their rivalry game against Florida, and they have the ACC championship game against a Louisville team who lost their rivalry game to Kentucky. If, in fact, Florida State wins but not impressively, remains undefeated, do you think a one-loss team could jump them in the Final Four? Well, I think that it definitely could happen, especially if it's, you know, Alabama beating Georgia 
in the SEC championship or something like that. But I don't know if it should happen because you feel bad penalizing a team because their quarterback got brutally injured the second to last week of the regular season. Um, I think what stinks for Florida State now is that Louisville lost this past weekend right. to Kentucky. So them beating Louisville potentially in the you know ACC championship game loses a little bit of its luster versus if it's a one-loss Louisville team that only has that awful loss to Pitt. Um, Louisville knocked themselves out of the, this entire yes. conversation yes. by losing their rivalry oh. game to Kentucky this past weekend, God. which really is a bummer for them in their season. So, I mean, I, I do think that that makes it a harder it makes it harder for the committee to convince themselves to keep Florida State in. But Florida State's undefeated conference championship uh, team in the ACC, I, I still think they should be in. I mean, they still had to play a bunch of good teams this year, uh, including, you know, LSU in week one, Clemson, which now finishes the season eight and four with a, a really talented roster that just wasn't able to figure it out for a few games. Right. You know, they still had to play Duke, although it was after Riley Leonard's injury. So it, their schedule was not super challenging, but they still won all their games and they still they still have to play Louisville, who's still going to be ranked in the top 25. Um so I don't know, Mike. It's a tough decision, I think, for the committee. And it really will depend on if they just like another team better based off of what happens during championship week. And I guess, you know, by rule, that's what these, this human committee is supposed to do is pick who they yeah. believe the four best teams are. And there will be a lot of people that won't think Florida State, even undefeated, is one of the best four teams. And it would be tough for me to argue that. But there is no way, Jess, that I could leave them out. They go undefeated yeah. to me they should be in. And a lot of times if you if you if you go back and people want to match them up, look at what the committee comes up with the final four, and then there's always what the old BCS system would have had as a final four. And a lot of times they're exactly the same. So it's like this human <laughs> committee has done nothing different outside of bringing a human element to this outside of the, the computer. Jess, if we start to get teams beat, yeah. I think I think the biggest lock of the weekend is Michigan. They're like a 22, 23-point favorite over Iowa. Uh, so I think they're going to win and they're going to be in. I think F FSU is going to win. So I'm putting them in because they're the two undefeated teams. Now let's have fun. Alabama beats Georgia, so they each have a loss. Oregon beats Washington, which I think is going to happen the way I had. They're a big favorite. Yeah, I had Washington in my preseason final four. So I'm actually looking good there. But I actually think Oregon is playing better now and is going to beat them. So Alabama beats Georgia. They both have one loss. Oregon beats Washington. So they both have one loss. Texas wins their conference championship game. They have one loss. And OSU doesn't play in the conference championship game. But their only loss will be to an undefeated Michigan team. How are you putting – what are you doing for those other two teams? That That's the where the fun begins, and that's what everybody wants. Yeah, and, and like I think Alabama is the thing that everyone wants to argue about here because they're Alabama. So, like, do they get a little bit of a boost just because of the brand and because they have – Nick Saban and they're on a you know ten game win streak. The Iron Bowl last weekend was one of the most. But oh. I mean, this is a series that has seen a kick six and all sorts of crazy things yep. happen. The fourth and thirty one, uh, you need a touchdown to win throw by Jalen Miller. Unreal. I just could not believe what I was watching. So I mean, I do think like the if they put Alabama in with 
I went over Georgia, I think more than qualifies Alabama to be in there. Again, it just, it depends what happens to the rest of the, the rest of the field this weekend. It depends on how big the margins of, of victory and defeat are, I think for, for Oregon and Washington, especially, and, and, you know, maybe Texas and Oklahoma state too. Um, it just like, I just think that I, I kind of want to watch Alabama play in the playoff. I think they could actually win a playoff game, which I don't really know if I feel that way about some of the other teams that will probably make which, it. Which, by the way, would shock nobody, right? If Alabama no, comes if, in and it wouldn't shock this. me if they won the national championship so, ever, any so year, here, even the years that they've lost a lot of but games. But here's the, the question <laughs> that me and Mike disagreed on is, and, and, and you're right, that this creates havoc. Is the Alabama-Georgia game close? Would both SEC teams get in? Would neither get in? Because I think if Oregon beats Washington, Oregon is in. I think they are a lock to be in. So the question to me is, if Alabama beats Georgia, are you putting Alabama in? Or should Texas go in because they beat Alabama? My opinion is, if Alabama beats the number one team in the country in Georgia, Alabama is going to be in, even if it's uh, over a Texas team and they don't get in. I think Alabama would be in over Texas. Mike disagrees. He thinks Texas, based on the head-to-head, would get in. And I get you have to do head-to-head. I understand that. But I, I, it would be tough for me to overlook Bama beating the number one team in the country. And I know Texas beat them way earlier in the season. I would still have Alabama in, and I could see Texas on the outside looking in. I mean, that would piss off oh, Texas fans God. more than anyone could even fathom. Um, the reason why having humans decide this is important, like you said, is because humans can look at, you know, the narrative arc of a season. And for Alabama, what has changed since that Texas game is that they figured out how to get Jalen Milrow to be an effective yeah, quarterback. Throw they're the calling, ball. <laughs> right. They're they're calling better plays for him. They're managing the, the offense a lot better. They've really found their groove. I mean, obviously the Auburn game was close. It's yeah, a rivalry yeah. game. You know, they're always close. So I don't really knock them for, for that one being close too much. But Alabama has improved throughout the season and also has played on aggregate a tougher schedule than Texas since that game. You know, if they beat Georgia, that will have been the number one or number two team in the country versus Texas's loss coming to their rival, Oklahoma, who now, you know, kind of dropped the ball themselves the last few weeks of the season, losing in, in Bedlam and not even making the conference championship game. So it's a worse loss for them. Um, but you can like, you can wrap your head in a pretzel kind of thinking about like the, you know, college football transitive property and who deserves to be in and et cetera. And I think the, the problem with the four team playoff is that like, there's a difference between who the four best teams are, in college football and who the four most deserving teams are to get into the playoff. And that's where I think people are going to get hung up on whatever happens with Florida state and, and Texas and Alabama and maybe some of the one loss teams. Uh, But I'm with you. I think if Oregon wins, they're a surefire in, I think Michigan, Michigan's going to win. So they're in, and then it really, you're left with two spots and probably four teams that you could make a really good argument for being in those two spots. It was interesting. Um, in the way this whole and, and I sneakily I'll say before I change the subject here to one other thing, I think I almost think Oregon's the best team in the country right now. I I am so impressed with the way and even though I picked Washington and so to make me look good because it's all about us, right? right I, I would you know to see Washington win and make it in to the playoffs, it would make me look better. So I would like that. But I think Oregon is playing as the best team in the country right now. So time will tell. We'll see. 
What was interesting is Mike and I talked to Cardale Jones, and who was the quarterback of Ohio State. He was actually the third stringer who got into the Ohio State starting lineup the year they won the national championship when they were the lowest seed in the first seeding of the college football playoffs. We, talk, we were talking to him because basically Tate Rodemaker is the backup. We wanted to know the kind of the thought process of being the backup, not leading the team, and then all of a sudden you're leading this team and doing it. But then we started talking about the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, and he thinks it's going to be muted a little bit now because this is amazing to me. They've played once a year, right? Last game of the season, and it usually is for a, a whole lot riding on it, right? Yeah. Starting next year, they could play three times in one season because <laughs> the divisions are going away. So they could right. play in the regular season. They could play in the Big Ten Championship. And then because yeah. there are 12 teams in the playoffs, they could meet in the playoffs as well. So they literally could play three times. And Cardale <laughs> Jones basically said, he goes, I do. I think it kind of mutes the rivalry a little bit because he said, what's more important if you know you're going to meet, say they're meeting in week 12, and you know because of records like this year, say this year was next year, they would be meeting a week later in the Big Ten championship game. And if you win your conference, you get a bye, right, in the 12-team in the playoff. So he said in the regular season game, you might rest a couple of players that are nicked up even if you lose that game, knowing that if you win that following week in the conference championship game, you're going to be better off because you'll now get a bye uh, as the top four conference champs will get in that playoff. So he said it could make it a little interesting where all of a sudden you could, could you imagine if one team or if one of those teams lost three times to the other in a season? But I mean, that's well, how that's much, probably what's going to happen to Ohio State. How about it? But, but that's how much the landscape of college football, especially in the Big Ten, is going to change that that rivalry could now see that those two teams playing three times in one season. That's amazing. They got to rename it to the games instead of. Yeah. The game, how about right? it? Yeah. Very, very yeah. true. I mean, I, I think that's interesting. I, I don't know if that like dilutes it, though. If anything, I think they just you know, triple down on how much they hate. And like it, a lot would have to happen for that, them to play multiple It would, season, yes, right? yes, yes. Um, especially now that like they're, Michigan especially, who's had like a pretty soft non-conference uh, schedule the last few years, is going to just have to play tougher right. conference games than they've had to play in the Big Ten, let's be honest. So um, it, will, it will be interesting to see how the way realignment shakes up who ends up in those games for sure. But um, you're right. I, they're, they're not going to not hate each other as much as they do it, just because they play more. If anything, it's going to make things even scarier for the rest of us that have to watch that rivalry. It, it's so true. <laughs> and speaking about good games in the beginning of seasons, like Alabama, Texas, next year, Georgia and Alabama are playing September 28th in Tuscaloosa in early in the regular season. That is going to be uh, uh, pretty amazing. Again, a couple of teams that have met a couple of times already in the season from a playoffs to SEC championship. So uh, that could happen there as well. One quick note uh, before we head over to the NFL. Uh, you saw that Mike Elko was hired as the new head coach at Texas A&M, a team that has a ton of money uh, out there. Uh, Jimmy Sexton, the agent who was the agent for Jimbo Fisher and got him that, you know, what, $100 million deal. Uh, Elko, again, first year at Duke, is the ACC coach of the year, was having a good year this year until the loss against Notre Dame, and then they lost their quarterback, Riley Leonard. So good for him. But 
And they open against Notre Dame next yes, year. Yes, they do. At Kyle Field, yeah. So how about this? He got six years, seven million a year. So it's guaranteed $42 million. And at, instead of handing him $100 million, they handed him $42 million, which doesn't suck. And the the AD for Texas A&M said in the landscape of today's game, you know, basically we're going to make you earn other stuff. And okay, I'm making seven mil a year. You can make me earn some other stuff too. That's fine by me. Just as far as making playoffs, getting to quarters, getting to semis, getting the title game, winning the title, winning the SEC. If he had all these things come to fruition, he could make on top of the seven million another ten and a half million dollars in incentives. Uh, for for some of those things, if he hits those, plus he has like an eleven million dollar pool for his assistant coaches. One thing they don't lack at A and M is money. That oil mm-hmm. money is big out there, and they have no problem people footing the bill for it. So, kudos to him. While I feel bad for the guys, the players at Duke, he was only there a couple of years, and this is the landscape now where coaches are going to leave, and no coach anymore, Jess, can sit in a living room and tell a recruit. I will be there for the entirety of your career. If they do, they're lying uh, because you just don't know anymore. But uh, a heck of a bump for Mike Elko. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because he was the the defensive coordinator there, like you said, and, you know, recruited a lot of players that are still at Texas A&M. And it'll be interesting now that there is a coaching change to see what happens in the portal with that team of him being the guy who comes in, kind of is able to stabilize things like he he knows Texas A&M really well. He's recruited for them before. He's, you know, a familiar face, more or less, versus like if they had hired Stoops, which was the rumor for like three hours on Saturday night before that uh, apparently got quashed by Texas A&M's yeah. regents or whoever their board, whoever is deciding that those things, the boosters probably would have been paid more, more money guaranteed for him to leave Kentucky and also, you know, pay his buyout and whatever, but also just a fresh face, maybe isn't able to provide any sort of like stability there. I, I don't know if that will happen, but it, obviously as the season now ends and the portal opens, um, all of these teams with huge coaching changes will um, be interesting to see who who goes and who stays and how that further shakes things up. Yeah, it's always interesting, the portal and when you can go. Like any, any school that lost a coach, those players can jump in the portal right away. So mm-hmm. different timing for different players. So uh, we will see. A lot going on, as we said, as we tape this. The penultimate college football rankings have not yet been out, so we'll discuss that, and then we'll have all the conference championship games uh, to be played that we'll discuss uh, next week. But coming up, we, we keep having to do it. We keep having to talk about Justice Pittsburgh Steelers because, A, they have a winning record. Right now they're in the playoffs, and they did something Sunday that they hadn't done in 58 games all the way back in 2020. We'll discuss that next. I don't want to do it all if people think I do it because it's your team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. But, I mean, this is a team still being outscored on the season by 23 points, yet they're 7-4 <laughs> and four and they are in the playoffs as we speak. And first game under new offensive coordinator, really new, new uh, also a new play caller, Mike Sullivan is now mm-hmm. who's a quarterback coach. He is now calling the plays as Matt Canada has been relieved of his duties. They put up, I believe it was 424 yards of total offense. It was the first time in 58 games they had gone over 400 yards. That's a stunning stat, Jess. 
But I guess it's, when you watch that offense, you could see why, because that offense doesn't do anything. But amazing. So Kenny Pickett looked better. The offense put up a lot more yards. Now, it didn't translate to a ton of points, just 16, but still going in the right direction. They did fumble in the red yes. zone at one point so early you, in you, the game. As a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, you had to be pretty happy with what you saw, right? It it is crazy. Well, a it's a divisional game, and uh, you know that obviously counts for double in in the playoff picture. And the division has now kind of crumbled yeah, now it that has. you know two starting quarterbacks are out. Um, but you know you still have to win those games. So it was interesting, like you said. So they the Steelers promoted Eddie Faulkner and Sullivan to be like the co-offensive coordinators, right. play callers, and like you kind of thought, like okay, here here's you know everyone's gonna feel uh, relief that Canada's out of there. But like all the reports were like, okay, the team's actually they all kind of feel bad. Like they all kind of liked him and were friends with him, and they and they feel bad. So. Maybe there's not as much gloating for the players. For the fans, everyone has been celebrating like this yeah. is, you know, the greatest thing that's ever happened. And if you had told me that the Steelers haven't had a 300-yard game in 59 games, I would believe you because it has been so painful to watch their offense just not be yeah. able to drive the ball at all. So when they hit the 400-yard mark, there was like five minutes left in the game. I think it was on a Najee Harris run. I mean, there were, pro there were fireworks in the street, Mike. <laughs> it was like the end of our long uh, national nightmare. So – there's still issues oh, yeah, with yeah. the Steelers that run deeper than an offensive coordinator. And like, I think Kenny, like I said last week, there's still a ton of pressure on Kenny Pickett in particular to complete passes and to be able to be a franchise quarterback. Um, but it, it was a good sign that they were able to win even against a Jake Browning led Bengals team uh, on the road. So <sighs> sigh of relief, but there's, there's still like, probably going to make the playoffs. Yes. They have like a 73% chance, yes. I think, according to ESPN, to make the playoffs. It just doesn't make any sense to me because this team has been so hard to watch for like three years. I mean, you, Pittsburgh, it doesn't make sense. Cleveland, who doesn't have a starting quarterback uh, right and now. And their backup got really uh, banged up this week. And they're, yeah, they're the sitting at 7-4 and four as well. And it's not like Pittsburgh's remaining schedule is murderer's row. They play the Cardinals, the Patriots, the Colts. The Burrowless Bengals again, the Seahawks, and then they finish with the Ravens, which will be a tough one. Though, maybe Baltimore has something locked up by then. Who knows? So yeah, it's true. I And they have the easiest remaining schedule, I think, of any of the other teams in the division. I, I think I heard that on the broadcast this week. So, yeah, it is. it is like, you know, we started talking about them at the beginning of the season because it was like, haha, wow, they're so bad. And now it's like, okay, they actually might, you know, make the playoffs, maybe even, who knows, win a playoff game, gasp, but... Um, it's been it's been interesting to watch. So we, we saw also the Eagles beat the Bills, and it was a hell of a game, 37-34. Yeah. Good game back and forth. Uh, I mean, Buffalo should have won that in overtime. The miscommunication between Josh Allen and Gabe Davis in the end zone on the first overtime drive, that game should have been over. Then Philly goes down and Hurts runs in, accounts for his fifth touchdown of the day, threw through the air, four through the ground, though Josh Allen accounted for four himself. And that team is much better when Josh Allen is running. My thought, though, just staying in the AFC is we had talked about in the beginning of the season, the AFC being an unbelievably deep conference, right? One of five, six teams that were strong and you could see making a run. To me, now there's two. There's two teams that I trust that can make a run. Obviously, Kansas City is one. Baltimore's the other one. I mean, Buffalo, while at times can look great, at times don't. And when you have to make that three, four game run, in the playoffs, I just don't see them being consistent enough 
to do that. And who else is there? Miami? I still don't, they, they still struggle against 500 teams or better. So they haven't mm-hmm. proven anything there. Cincinnati lost Burrow in this one. Are we worried about anybody in the South? Is Jacksonville going to knock anybody off? Uh, I don't, I don't know. So I think this division has gone from very deep to, in my opinion, two teams that I trust to be able to go on a postseason run. And that's, that's uh, uh, Kansas City and Baltimore. What, what are your thoughts? I feel like the second team like changes week to week, honestly. Like I, I do like Baltimore a lot. They are starting to really put things together on offense, I think, and like look dominant. I mean, they looked uh I don't think the score was representative of how much better than the Chargers they were on Sunday night. Um right. and, and like that's just me doing the old eye test, but I the Chargers also played the most quintessentially Chargers Probably. game where they keep it close yeah. till the end. They have an opportunity to win the game, you know, with under two minutes left. And then something stupid happens because they're a cursed team and a cursed NFL franchise. But I'm with you. I like I like the Ravens now, but like in a week, it could be the Dolphins or it could be uh, it probably won't be the Steelers, even though, you know, I I like them. But um, it just for me, the AFC has kind of changed week and week out. And also the Chiefs. I'm like, I like the Chiefs. They don't have the the greatest record i mean they do in the afc but just in general they have not had as dominant a season as i think you would expect out of them so like i could see them losing in the playoffs to the ravens or to another team in the afc and then it would be completely wide open mike yeah it would uh but they'll be favored still their defense is playing extremely well and they have this guy named patrick mahomes and travis kelsey travis kelsey's haven't had a good that's game. that's ex- exactly right <laughs> i'm with you there o- that's all they need. over in the nfc you know we, we wanted to put detroit up there with the big boys right san francisco philly and the way dallas is playing now especially that offense with dak and what he's doing but man detroit just I mean just again you know on thanksgiving unfortunately that's kind of been their calling card losing for the most part on thanksgiving golf you know we've seen fumbles out of him we've seen interceptions on him Last year when they were doing well, we kept talking about how he's not playing like he did when he was with the Rams. Now we're talking about he's kind of playing like he did when he was with the Rams. So to me, from a, again, talking from a consistent level, got to be what Philly, San Francisco, and Dallas. And, and even we've seen um, San Francisco on a three-game losing streak. We've seen Dallas's offense not look well. And we've seen Philadelphia against better teams, Buffalo and Kansas City, trail by 10 at halftime and come back and win. That's something just that can bite you in the ass at some point. If you're in the playoffs Mm -hmm. and you're trailing by 10, man, one miscue in the second half can really stop you from being able to come back and what you've been able to do. But it seems like we're, we're deeper now where I say Kansas city, Baltimore and the AFC, I do say Philly, San Francisco, Dallas in the NFC. And I think the line stops there and then you drop down a little bit before you get to Detroit. Yeah, I mean, I think that watching Detroit and then Dallas like back to back, granted against maybe like slightly worse competition, Dallas just looked so much more like explosive. Dak had such a great game and Detroit, I just feel I feel bad for their fans. This was like the year, you know, you go to the Thanksgiving game and you're like, yeah, we're going to yes. be the Packers. Yes. No more Aaron Rodgers on the Packers. We're, we're going to win this one. It's a division game on Thanksgiving and we're finally good. And then they just were 
so incredibly disappointing and made so many mistakes. So I'm, I'm with you, but I still like the Eagles. The Eagles to me could do an entire drive of just brotherly shoves and gain four yards at a time and win the Super Bowl doing that. And actually, I hope that they do because that would be great content. As far as off the field, Frank Reich gets fired. Uh, Tepper, the owner. Uh, that dude pulls the trigger quicker than anybody I've known. And, and I, I've said this on a few interviews. That team is going to go nowhere with his leadership right now. The, all you keep doing is taking two steps back before you try and take his two steps forward. What is involved in changing a head coach, changing assistant coaches, changing your schemes offensively and defenses, defensively, changing personality of coaches, and especially doing this to a young quarterback as well? See Justin Fields in Chicago. I, I don't, he's his own worst enemy, Jess. I don't understand. And there are those that say, well, Frank Reich isn't a very good head coach. If you want to think that, go ahead, then blame Tepper for hiring him. Right. right. I mean, Tepper is, right. he also, and yeah, he also, hiring him after you had your, you know, first round quarterback yes. pick. Like, that's not how generally teams that have a vision and a plan execute, right? Like, you don't, ha you don't draft the guy that you want as the owner. Right. Um, and then hire, I mean, they hired Reich first, obviously, but then you, you give them 11 weeks to figure it out and then say, screw it. You're out of here. We'll get someone else. Like that's usually like it's, that's backwards. It just doesn't make any sense. Who of, of a established coach. And we always know there's like four to seven slots available at the end of every year. What established coach would go to that team? I mean, no, for, forgetting even, you could even say, I like you know, Bryce Young, Bryce and I Young, like what yeah. they're doing. But with that owner, I mean, you may have a year and a half, two years. I hope you sign a long deal and make them pay you because he's-, he's Exactly. He's, I mean, that's he's got, that's what the money's for, so, right? So, yeah, who's, who's going to, unless you don't have a choice or you're a first-time, you're a coordinator trying to be a first-time head coach, I, I don't think you're going to get an experienced head coach. Who the hell wants to deal with that? I mean, Urban Meyer- coached more games for the Jaguars yes. than Frank Reich coached for the Panthers this year. I, I, I am just stunned at, at what Tepper is doing. And it's just brutal for absolutely brutal. He is holding that franchise back. Nobody else. He is the one holding that back. So we'll see where they go from here. Uh, but coming up, we just finished Thanksgiving. So are we already in to the Christmas season? Do we have to wait? Have we already been there? This is the age-old question that we will answer. And also, I am going to rip a classic that is shown every year during the Christmas season. That's coming up next. All right, Jess, normally we touch on F1 here, but why? Uh, the last race was in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> Max Verstappen won yet again. It was over as far as the individual championship a while ago. Uh, time to put this season to rest, right? And let's be done with it. Yeah, I mean, if you're watching the races for a uh, competitive first place, uh, you know, racing experience, this has not been the season for you. He's won every race except three, I think. And his teammate won two of those, Sergio Perez. And then Carlos Sainz won a race in Singapore or somewhere in there. So, yeah, from, from a results standpoint for that, you know, driver's championship, it, it's been wrapped up for like three months, probably long. It's been wrapped up since like the third race of the season, and here we are. So the season's over. I'll, I'll ask you this before we move on to more important things, because this ended kind of with a thud. <laughs> it did. Max Verstappen will not win the driving championship next year because this person will. 
No, I think he will. No, no, no. He's not. He's not going to win it. So who wins it? Who who would you think would have the best shot to win it? I because I agree he's going to win. It. <sighs> Charles Leclerc. Okay. I don't. I I don't even know who's his teammate's going to be next right. year. So I would pick his teammate if I knew who that person would be. But I think I think next season may be a lot like this season. I, yeah. I mean, you could go on a run like Lewis Hamilton went on you know, yeah. a few years back. He's so midway through it already. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Okay. Let's move on to more important things. And that's the Christmas season. First and foremost, during the Monday night game of Chicago and Minnesota, it was so riveting. I was switching back and forth <laughs> between that and Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer. One of the great claymation, you know, you've seen this, right? Please. No, I have not. But I know the I know the gist. Do of you? It. Do I, you? I do thought you know it was a gist? cartoon. Is it claymation? There's, there's cartoons and there's claymation. Okay. This is the old time. This is the claymation one. I I I, I don't know but why I bring this up. Did this film? Come I, out? I, I don't know. I'm sure before okay. you were before you were born. I'm sure because I don't even know. I would get into it now because you've 1964. never seen it. Yeah, two years after that was I, before you were. No, born. no, no. I was born in '62. <laughs> I was two years old, so. I was grew up with this with this show. The the Johnson administration. And, and as I see it more, and, and now I have to explain it to you, but those listening and or watching will who are closer to my age will understand. It's a horrible, horrible show. I mean, just because Rudolph has a red nose, his father wants to hide it. He, Rudolph says it's a shame, but you'll never basically be be on my team. The coach who teaches the kids their reindeer games excluded him and said, you're not part of the reindeer games because of your red nose. Uh, his girlfriend, Clarice's father, shunned him as well. Everybody shunned him because he had a red nose. Everybody shunned him. It, it was uh, just, it's, it was like bullying at a young age. It was horrible. And then after all of that, I mean, at least you haven't seen it, but you know the story. It's very foggy on Christmas night. And they think Christmas is going to be canceled. But then all of a sudden, Santa, who had rejected Rudolph when he was younger, says, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? I'd have told Santa to F off. He said, <laughs> remember what you said to me when I was a kid that I'd never be on your team and it was a shame? You know, how about now all of a sudden you need me? Because it's a little foggy outside. You need me. Uh-uh, not playing that game. No, I you're this is I think you're absolutely right. First of all, Rudolph, like I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him if he started his own rival sledding company and had a rival Santa Claus that he drove around and then beat Santa Claus because he can't can't, you know, act be active in the fog. Um second of all, if Rudolph asked for like a five hundred million dollar guaranteed contract to lead the sleigh, I don't think I think he could have gotten it. I think you're right. I don't think I don't think Santa should get to benefit from the discrimination that he inflicted on Rudolph before he realized that he actually. It's horrible. The, ex the exclusion. What a terrible. I I'm telling terrible you, Jess, I, and I started talking about this during Mike and Mike years and me training my son at ESPN I, every year. Every year I just watch it and I get more mad. The Island of Misfit Toys, again, you know nothing about because you've never seen it, was the best place because they included everybody. There was inclusion for everybody there. And that's where Rudolph ended up before he went back to the mainland and saved the day because Santa got himself into a pickle after rejecting him. But yeah, that one just, it just aggravates me uh, the, the more yeah. I watch it now. So I'm with yeah, you. You're, you're with me. You haven't even seen it. No, I, what, I agree. You know, what, no, I, I'm agreeing with you on something. Isn't that what you want? No, I want you to watch this. We're going to watch this at one point. We're going to watch it. And you're going to see, you're going to see, and you're going to 
feel the rejection just because uh, this this one reindeer has a red nose that glows. So, okay, the next time I see you, we're probably going to be in Vegas for the Super yeah. Bowl. And it will be two months post-Christmas or month and a half we'll post-Christmas. we'll watch Rudolph. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> sounds like something we won't do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like when we were going to watch 80 for Brady. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. All right. So the big question now is when do you, when to you does holiday season start? Have you been listening to Christmas music? When can Christmas music start? When do you put up your trees and decorate? I'm not going to lie. Christmas music, it's a little grating to me. Um, When you go shopping this time of year and you hear last Christmas, I gave like over and over again, it, I, I do tend to get irritated, so I don't willingly put it on the the stereo in my car or anything like that. But I will be decorating my apartment today. Today is the day. Today I, is the it, day. Thanksgiving was early this year. It's still November, and Thanksgiving week's over. Like De- December hasn't even started yet, so I feel like this is a perfect time to get rid of all the pumpkin stuff, put up my tiny tree and my two ornaments because I basically my whole adult life have lived in like. 500 square feet. So I haven't really had that many Christmas decorations. Okay. So it's a little different for you in that way. For me, I am completely different. You can't play enough Christmas music for me. I think on XM, they have two stations that are all nothing but Christmas music that I immediately kind of like yacht rock radio in the summertime. I put in, (laughs) which is not shocking. I put into my presets. I do the presets uh, for Christmas music as well. Probably one week now we spent um, Halloween and that was our last couple of days in South Bend before we came out mm-hmm. here to Arizona. I would say a week after Halloween, our Christmas trees were up and they, okay. they have been up. That's early. They, yes. That's very early. We're, we're all, we have two trees. They're both up and they've been up. I, I look at it this way, Jess, if it makes you, because so many people can be against it. You know what? While Christmas music is, is grading to you a bit, if it makes somebody smile, listen to it. If, if put it, I'm, no, I agree yeah, with you. No, I, I, I'm not you saying these, I know, no, okay. I know you do. I, I'm, I guess that's my point to people who complain about when you're putting your stuff up or when you start listening to music. It's, it's, I equate it to the pineapple on a pizza. Mm. People say pineapple on a pizza is not pizza. Yes, it is. People put pineapple on their pizza. You may not like it, and that's okay. But that person, I like barbecued chicken on my pizza. It does, and it's still pizza. Some people may not like it. If some people like to put up their tree and it makes them smile to decorate it a week after Halloween, do it. If you want to listen to Hollywood or, or holiday music and it makes you smile, do it. I, I don't understand at times just the vitriol of you can't start playing music or you can't put up a decoration. Why? Why, man? Why not smile when you want to smile? I'm with you on on all of that, except for people that wait until like eight o'clock to eat Thanksgiving. Oh. I think that's weird. I mean, unless you have to do it, unless like, you know, you didn't get off work until late or whatever. But for me, that's the only thing where I'm like, hmm, I want to eat Thanksgiving dinner at 8 a.m. How about do that? Do you have a big, do you have a, a Christmas dinner? Because Christmas dinner can be a oh, la yeah. Thanksgiving dinner. You know, where it's obviously as big. So do you say the same thing about Christmas dinner? I do, because if it's a big dinner, that means there's going to be leftovers. So I still need, I need it early. I don't need a, the place we used to go over is great family's house all the time, but it was always a little later and they would have appetizers and the apps were great, great queso dip and stuff. But then I get full, but then I get full when the meal comes. So I need the early meal right to leftovers. 
My family is Italian, so we do Christmas Eve, which is always late. That's like a dinner dinner. And then Christmas is kind of like an afterthought. So oh. we don't really do like a Christmas anything, but we will eat Christmas Eve dinner. And my aunt always brings over a Christmas tree shaped cheese thing that is like layered cheese with like pesto and stuff on it and like dried tomatoes. Uh -huh. And that is usually my Go to. actual dinner. I'll just eat like, I'll eat half of the tree. And the tree is like, it's like two feet. I'll, I'll give you, I, I, cause we did that too. We would have the big dinner on Christmas Eve and then Christmas day, maybe you'd make something, but you'd basically pick at it all day, right? right? Exactly. While you watched football or something, but Christmas Eve, that was a nighttime thing. So, all right, I'm glad, glad we share that as well. We've got to watch Rudolph though. You've got to see what I'm talking about. I can't watch things that aren't in like high, high def, like 4k Mike. It's just, it's probably like fuzzy and just old. modern technology has these old shows. You could put them in the new high def. Okay. <sighs> so this is still, you can watch it in high. We're all not that old and decrepit. Who's in this movie? It's like, claymation. I, I mean, like who does the voice? Like I'm trying to think of an old, old actor, well, but I can't even I, like I believe Clark I, I Gable. I don't no, know. No, not Clark Gable. I, I believe the, the kind of the narrator I think is Burl Ives. Who you're not going to know either. Know. It's exactly yeah. right. Wow. Why would you ask that when it's made in 1964? Do you think you're going to know any of the people? To prove doing the a point. To prove a point. At what point, point is that? It. That I do not need to watch this. No, movie. you need to watch it. You need to watch what everybody celebrates right, as an incredible movie <laughs> of the exclusion that goes on in the beginning yeah. of it. It was. Burl Ives died in 1995. Rest in peace. Okay, you know what? We're we're ending this right now because I am I am. I'm getting mad at you. Goodbye. Fine.